This is an American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. What's up? Nothing much, just a couple days after we last recorded, a quick turnaround, because we are trying to get uh, get ahead of our holiday travel. Both of us are traveling, so uh, patrons, you're hearing this, assuming you're listening, like, right now, a week early. (laughs) Yeah. Hard to focus this week. A lot of busyness right now and a lot of exciting stuff ahead with the holidays. So I'm already there um, in my brain. So I'm trying to stay uh, stay a little present until Wednesday when I leave. Yeah, this is our first full episode of the podcast in a few weeks because we covered single episodes the last couple times. So we've got two episodes coming at you this week. Uh, but first, we want to thank Adam for emailing us twice. Uh, we will... Be sure to respond to the actual email very, very soon. But thank you for reaching out. We always love hearing from people, as we like to say. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into our episode discussion. So we're starting with The Sting. It aired on October 21st, 2010, was directed by Greg Daniels and written by Mindy Kaling. Jim and Dwight are on a sales call together at Frames Select when they bump into Danny Cordray, a salesman for Osprey Paper, who Dwight himself calls the best salesman ever. They panic. They call Michael over to assist in the sale so they can beat Danny, but they lose. The rest of the episode devolves into a sting operation where they set up a fake sales meeting to spy on Danny and steal his sales technique. And because it's the office, you know it doesn't go exactly as planned. Yes. (laughs) I've got immediate thoughts, but we should go in order. Um, uh, just on the whole sting, it's it's pretty great. So as you mentioned, Jim and Dwight have this big sales meeting with a Steve Nash. It's not the Steve Nash, but it is a Steve Nash of Frames Select. When they get there, Danny Cordray is sitting in the waiting room as well. Uh, they hate Danny. Um, it's one of those people that he's he's perfect. You know, he's a great salesman and he's handsome and he's smooth and oh, they hate him so much because he's just good at everything he does. He steals a bunch of clients from Dunder Mifflin all the time. They lose, I think they said, the most clients to him and to his small paper company, Osprey. So it doesn't make a lot of sense that they would be losing all these clients, except that Danny is the one doing it. You know, um, he's such a good salesman that he's that much competition. Michael is all too excited to get back into the game here. Um, he, He... Pretends like he's being reluctantly pulled out of retirement, as if he was re- as if he was retired, as if he hasn't been doing uh, client acquisition or retention and in his role as manager. Uh, neither of which are true, uh, but he he acts like it's a big deal. He interrupts the brainstorm session he's trying to have with everybody else. It's very indicative of Michael's persona, though, to have him not only take a phone call in the middle of what is supposed to be a meeting with everybody else, but then to just straight up leave everybody in the middle of this meeting that he's having important or not, whether you want to say a brainstorm session is necessary or not. He still left these people behind just to reluctantly get called out of sales or out of retirement. And so he's very excited. And despite their best efforts and they offer a weekend delivery and they, offer at cost paper prices, they do lose the sale. Now, what I do like about this is that it shows two sides to Michael in his reaction to losing the sale. One, yes, he's upset, but he says that they did what they needed to do and they just got bested. 
And that's a really mature thing for Michael to say, to accept that there may be other people in the world who do things better than you. And that's not your fault. I think that's a really mature thing for Michael. Uh, I think that's awesome of him to, to accept. But two, he also shows that he thinks incredibly highly of his sales ability and therefore recognizes exactly how talented Cordray is. Michael knows that he's a good salesman. We've seen Michael be a good salesman, but that just means that Cordray is an echelon above. And I, I think that's, again, neat for Michael to point out and for Michael to recognize. He's not spiteful towards Danny. He's not crapping on Jim and Dwight for not being good enough. It's, we tried our best. We did what we know how to do. We just got bested. I also thought it was interesting that Jim and Dwight, but specifically Jim, um, called Michael when they knew that they were in trouble, not to be a manager, but to be a salesman. So even Jim at this time realizes that Michael is a good salesman. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's a manager, not because he's good at managing people. Again, we've gone over this, but (laughs) because of his sales record, which it's like, I don't know what to liken it to, but the best salesmen don't always make the best managers. And that's kind of the case here, uh, possibly, but he has not lost his, his sales mojo. How do I feel about losing the sale? It's like if Michael Phelps came out of retirement, jumped in the pool, belly flopped, and drowned, <laughs> says yeah. Michael. They call all the salesmen together back at the office, minus Andy, I guess because Andy's off doing his thing, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a few. Uh, they are now brainstorming again, but this time for ways to beat Danny Cordray. Stanley makes the incredibly non-logical suggestion to just sell better. Uh <laughs> And Michael just sort of scoffs at him, asks him to leave while making fun of his weight and his diabetes. And even though Stanley sort of tries to fight against this, saying, why do you always assume I have diabetes? We know he has diabetes. He said so in Survivor Man Mm. when he said, I took an extra shot of insulin. And if I don't have cake soon, I might die. So anyways, just wanted to point that out, that throwback. But instead of accepting the situation, we already know that he acknowledged the situation. Instead of accepting it, that Danny is just a great salesman. And that Dunder Mifflin just needs to up their game. Michael takes the more logical suggestion by Dwight to perform a sting operation. They set up a fake sales meeting so they can watch Danny sell via camera. And it goes about as well as you would expect it to go. They have set up this. Well, they're, they're really in Dwight's uh, owner's office. He has his upstairs office and he has the office that he uses to manage the building. They set up that office as the sting, you know, headquarters or whatever, they have cameras into this other room and they pretend that Meredith is the boss at this uh, paper company. What do they call it? Pennsylvania Solar Tech. Pennsylvania Solar Tech. Yes. So Meredith is this big high level exec, which Jim says, well, she was available and that's about the only reason that we picked her. Um, Everyone else was busy. (laughs) So Danny comes in as a salesman thinking that he's pitching to this real company and surprise surprise meredith is completely attracted to him and cannot play her role without any kind of bias i mean she is completely infatuated with this man and um really doesn't even want to hear a sales pitch she tries to move the desk out of the way she goes on the other side sits next to him he takes off his jacket and she takes that as like some big you know romantic gesture and so she spends the whole time trying to get with him <laughs> and <laughs> Michael and Jim and, and Dwight realize what's going on, so they try to send in interruptions. Um, but Meredith just silences them, saying, oh, this is, you know, this is Jaime, or who, I forget what Manuel. Manuel. He doesn't speak English. 
And oh, here's another one. This is Esteban, and he doesn't speak English, being Oscar and, and uh, Ryan. So the attempts aren't working, and then Michael eventually just has enough. He bursts into the room to stop the craziness. He admits that he's from Dunder Mifflin, that Meredith's from Dunder Mifflin, and that Michael, Jim, and Dwight wanted to steal Danny's sales techniques. Yeah, and Danny cannot leave fast enough. It's weird to me that Jim went along with this in the first place. It's just a very not Jim idea. And it's not like he shows resistance to it either. But I guess it could be seen as a show of how desperate they are to not lose to Danny. And just the fact that Dwight thinks so highly of Danny as a salesman in the first place, uh, it Dwight has never been shy about his own sales record or his own sales ability. So for him to think so highly of Danny as a, as a master salesman, it says a lot about how Danny is perceived by Jim and Dwight and by Dunder Mifflin as a whole. Uh, but then Michael steps in, he does end it. And though Danny is trying to escape, Michael does another cool thing. He convinces Danny to leave Osprey and work for Dunder Mifflin instead as their new traveling salesman. The fact that Michael convinces a guy who they just lied to, whose time they just wasted, who they basically humiliated in a lot of ways, shows this shows that Michael is a good salesman because he successfully pitched Danny. As he says at the end of the episode, the sale that mattered I made. Michael, though he is awed by Danny's ability, we we see further evidence of Michael's own ability because he's able to convince this guy uh, who has no reason to want to come work for these guys to come work for these guys. He he made a good point. I mean, he said, look, your product is more expensive. You're a smaller company. Your customer service is not as good. You're just a really, really good salesman. So imagine what you could do with our product. And that's what catches Danny's ears. Oh, I could make so much money working for this company that has cheaper products, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And he does. He He signs on. The other salesmen do protest at first, especially Jim and Dwight, but Michael shuts it down. And this is a cool boss moment. Though, though Michael has some stupid stuff in this episode, like the whole notion of the sting in the first place, he has several cool moments where he displays his, his own ability as well. He says, I am not going to exclude good people from our staff simply because they are threatening to you. And unless you have a better argument than that, I suggest you leave. So he's putting his foot down as a manager. This is somebody who's going to be an asset to us. If he's working for us, he can't steal your customers. So you don't have to worry about that. Just deal with it. This is better for the company. That's him being a boss. That's what we want from Michael so much of the time. And he doesn't do it. But here he is doing it. And it's great. Although at the end, surprise, surprise, he realizes we don't need Danny. Oops, we already have Packer. And so we'll have to see if that has any implications in further episodes. Also with Danny's side of, or sort of a side plot here with him, um, it is noted at the beginning of the episode that he dated Pam, but it was really very, very brief. They went out twice four years ago, back when Jim was in Stanford. But not four years ago, on one date, maybe it was two, he never called her back. That's what Pam said. And then it fizzled. At the end of the episode, Danny makes some small talk with Jim. He says, Pam and I actually went out a while ago, but she never called me back. Huh, interesting, because she thinks that he never called her back. So there's a bit of confusion there, um, and that, that will be developed later. And then the, the final bit of this episode has to do with Andy. At the start, he reads that an old Here Comes Trouble, the acapella group from Cornell. Did you know Andy went to Cornell, hmm. Katie? Is that Ivy League? Uh, yeah, I think so. 
<laughs> his old acapella bandmate, if you want to call it bandmate, Broccoli Rob, who it, we've heard of before, he landed a gig singing the song Kelsey Yum with uh, Trey Anastasio from the band Fish for a milk awareness commercial. I guess we need to be more aware of milk. Who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> I love milk, but I'm aware of it. So <laughs> maybe there's people who aren't. But Andy shows how jealous he is of Broccoli Rob because he says, I was the artsy musical one. I had four solos. Broccoli Rob only had three. I mean, come on. That says it all, right? Sounds to me, Chad, that Broccoli Rob is actually making attempts to pursue his artsy musical side, whereas Andy is sitting in the office of a paper company. So I don't see how Andy can really be jealous that Broccoli's doing the thing, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So Andy's feeling artistically unfulfilled and decides to start a band. He really wants Daryl on keys. He's offering to pay Daryl. He's so desperate to have him. Daryl thinks that Andy's offer of $60 is too high, 68 hours, so he'll just take the the, the 40. Andy thinks this is super generous. Uh, Which, like, even if you don't like the guy, even if Daryl doesn't like Andy, are you really going to let him pay you? But whatever. Uh, He does. And they go into the warehouse with Kevin on drums, and they uh, jam for a little bit. They... First, play Andy's creepy song. Um, it's about the troops. <laughs> Daryl is a man, and Andy is singing the part of a little girl. They duet, and it's really weird. Daryl is not into it. They go upstairs to the office and, and ask for feedback, and everyone hates it because it's weird. Yeah. But then they go back downstairs, and they workshop a new song together, and, and they run out of time. Andy asks how much for another half hour because he's really enjoying this, you know, this moment. Daryl says, you know what, don't worry about it. He's enjoying himself too. So he wants to, uh, to stay and, and jam for a bit. When Daryl first points out this bad idea song that Andy's singing, but it's okay because he's singing his falsetto. So it's okay that he's singing the perspective of a little girl. No, it's not Andy. Uh, but then Andy further pulls the jerk bag card saying, oh, there's a three-way argument between a drummer, a keyboardist, and the frontman lead singer. Wonder who's going to win this one. What a... <laughs> There, yeah. There's words I want to say to describe that, and I won't because one, I don't use those words, and two, this is a family-friendly podcast, more or less. Fill in <laughs> with your own, yeah, yeah. Use use your own adjective. <laughs> so there's that, but then we also get further glimpses into Daryl's musical ability. We we talked about in uh, Andy's play, he has some sort of background in musical theater or at least an appreciation for musical theater and how he knows that if you listen to the overture the themes come back later here he's trying to help andy come up with a less bad song <laughs> and he says andy think about something that you really carry about care that you really care about and he says reverse snobbery don't know what that is <laughs> but daryl says more universal and so andy says okay i feel like sometimes life is passing me by so then daryl proceeds to improvise a song about life passing you by and putting on different versions of yourself to get through the days. And then what's more, uh, well, you already said this, he, he turned down Andy's offer for more money when the time ran out. They're just jamming together. So I, I love that we get a glimpse into Daryl's creative process and drawing on life experience to write his own song and encouraging Andy to do the same rather than, as Oscar calls it, pandering with the, the little girl song. So that's that. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to some funny moments. Cold open. So Oscar got a fancy new bike and Michael is dying to try it out, except it seems that he's quote unquote forgotten how to ride a bike. But isn't that one of those things that you don't forget how to do? But 
He did, apparently. <laughs> Michael starts chanting his own name, egging people on to, to join him, encouraging himself to ride this bike, and he ends up crashing it into a car. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the cold open. <laughs> a, few, a few small funny things from that cold open. The bike that Oscar got is the same model that Lance Armstrong used. Right. And uh, sign of the times, this was before Lance Armstrong was found guilty of doping and was stripped of all of his Tour de France wins back in 2012. And let's see, Dwight has the line, you can't beat a horse. A horse is a bike that pedals itself. <laughs> and Kelly says, I'm on Cheryl Crow's side in that whole thing. So I feel really weird right now talking about it being the same model bike as Lance Armstrong. Right. Look this up. Armstrong and Crow dated for two years. They were engaged in 05 and then they split in 06. And so this is four years after that fact. Kelly's on Cheryl Crow's side on this whole thing. So she feels really weird about it. <laughs> I assumed that they were married at some yeah, point. Yeah. Dating. Yeah. <laughs> I love when Michael shows up to do the sales pitch with Jim and Dwight. And Michael says, okay, on the count of three, it's showtime. Jim says, I'm not doing that. And Dwight says, I've been in showtime mode since breakfast. Have you not? Michael says, okay, you know, all right, f forget it then. And then Jim says, showtime. <laughs> and Michael tries to catch it. It's showtime. Oh, never mind. Let's go. <laughs> Jim just messing with Michael, even right before an important sales pitch. Also before the sales pitch, Jim and Dwight are getting ready in the car. They're kind of hyping up. Dwight says, how do I look? Jim says, amazing. How do I look? Dwight says, normal, ugly. <laughs> <laughs> When Jim has the whole, he's not the Steve Nash. He's sort of like Scranton's Jim Nash. Uh, Dwight, or Jim Nash, Steve Nash. Dwight says, will you stop trying to put it in terms you think they'll understand? It's condescending. <laughs> and later says, or calls Jim a uh, Mr. Jock Hipster. Jim just says, well, I'm neither of those things. So <laughs> this is one of the, is it one of the first times where... Jim has this whole hipster jock stereotype thrown on him. Maybe the second or third. I think it's but... the first that I've remembered. Um, yeah. I think jock more than more than hipster. Mm -hmm. Just a little one-liner here that always makes me laugh. When they walk into Frame Select where they're going to do this sales pitch, Dwight is talking to Jim. Go tell the receptionist that we're here. You're good with receptionists. <laughs> You know, because he married maybe, one. <laughs> maybe one particular receptionist more than all of them. <laughs> Not all. Maybe all. Maybe maybe they do find him particularly charming. I'm realizing now how much funny there is in that first scene with Jim and Dwight. Uh, yeah. Because my next one is when uh, they see Danny and Dwight says, man, Danny Cordray is the worst. Jim says, well, by worst, you mean the best. And that's when Dwight says best salesman ever. And so Dwight says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off. I'm, I'm going to brag as we walk up to intimidate him. And so they, he walks up and he's saying really loudly, so anyway, she says, that is the biggest penis I have ever seen. And I said, I know. That's why I brought you to the penis museum where tickets are $1,000. Well, hello, Danny. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Which, like, if you're going to be talking about a giant penis and it's not your own like, this is a poorly planned story. <laughs> yeah, and right before a sales pitch, like, what if you're overheard by people? It's just bad ideas yeah. all over the place. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> when Stanley sassed Michael, and you mentioned with the uh, diabetes and the, why don't you go outside and take a shot of insulin and have a nap? Stanley's like, why do you always assume I have diabetes? And then I just like Michael's retort, I don't know, your frame. 
your build. Why don't you have a glass of apple juice and tell me you're not diabetic? <laughs> Ugh. He's just so awful. And then Stanley stands <laughs> so up awful. and kind of grunts when he stands up. Michael's like, yeah, I heard that sound you made. You're clearly diabetic. It was just, <laughs> oh, be nice. <laughs> it's a recurring thing in this episode to talk about how handsome Danny is. It happens on multiple occasions. Uh, when Michael first shows up at Frame Select, he says, wait, that's not a salesman. That's a, that's a male model. <laughs> uh, funny thing on that in the deleted scenes when we get to it. Then during the sting itself, back at Dunder Mifflin, Michael and Dwight, in a moment, talk about how he's smoldering like a tire fire. And Michael says, testify <laughs> and then, that he's handsome and that he's very good looking. And Meredith is obviously very attracted to him. And that ruins the sting. And Kelly, when Michael has hired Danny and introduces him to the office, she says, F me <laughs> as her immediate response. And uh, she says, he looks like a young Josh Duhamel. Did I say that right? Duhamel to so. Hamill. And then Angela agrees with that. So Angela is even attracted to Danny. He's very clearly uh, like universally attractive, even to the men, it seems. I liked this bit where uh, Kevin wanted to sing the song with, uh, with Daryl and Andy. But Andy is really quick to procrastinate that, to push that back. He says, I was, I was hoping to maybe save your voice in case we did a novelty song about frogs. But the way he says this is so quick and clear. It's like he's thought about this before. And then he did definitely think about this before because we get to the end of the episode and we have a clip. Um, we do get the frog song at the end. Uh, it's called Bullfrog in Love and Who Sings Lead But Kevin. It's great. It's, it's one of those fun little things we get to end on that's away from the heavy. St well, not that it was a heavy episode, but away from the more serious stuff of the episode. Mm -hmm. My last moment, you might have more, uh, is when at the very end of the episode, Danny approaches Jim to make conversation about going on a few dates with Pam a few years back, blah, blah, blah. She wasn't interested in him. Then Dwight speaks up. And I love this because it's like he's defending Pam and, and Jim to a certain extent. He says, you snubbed her. And then there's this whole long paragraph. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's like going on the defense and saying, you know, I thought you thought Pam was too meh or thin without being toned. Uh, she's one of the hardy women of Scranton that make the city great. So what if she doesn't wear makeup? And at this point, Pam has walked up in the background and she just mouths to the camera. I wear makeup. <laughs> and he says, we like her better that way. And so on and so on. And he accuses Danny of being a thief, says, I don't even know where my car keys are right now. And then, oh, false alarm. It's in my pocket. And that causes him to pause. And he's like, eh. Well, it's after five, not going to take this home, shake Danny's hand, welcome aboard. <laughs> it, it, all conflict is resolved from Dwight to Danny by the end of the episode, just because it's after five and he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> and his accusations of thievery don't hold up. I often take that approach. Oh, I'm off the clock. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Peace out. <laughs> uh, I just have two more little ones. Um, after hiring Danny, Michael brings him up to introduce him to the office. That's when Kelly curses in appreciation. Michael says, oh, okay, you know what? No, no, no. This isn't some sort of construction site or all of Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me laugh. And then I think my last one is um, when they are spying on the Meredith-Danny fake meeting. They're watching on the screens and Michael says, hey, that's my mug. Jim says, hey, you know, this isn't real TV, right? <laughs> Michael says, yeah. <laughs> I think you forgot. Now going on to deleted scenes. 
the very first one we get, Jim and Dwight are sitting with Danny at Frame Select. They're all sort of just waiting for their turn to do the pitch. And Jim says, hey, Danny, uh, what about that restaurant you said you were going to open last time we saw you? Danny says, oh, it's embarrassing. We were about to open the restaurant with my uh, dad. Then we got this highball offer from a developer that wanting to, that, that's wanting to build lofts. Now my dad can just travel the world. That's the cowboy in him. And Jim says, well, what? You said that was embarrassing. What was embarrassing about that? That just sounded wonderful. Danny says, I guess I was just embarrassed that I got so much out of it for so little effort. <laughs> and uh, then Danny is called in for the sales meeting. He says, wish me luck. And like on instinct without thinking about it, Dwight says, good luck. And then he hates himself for it. He's like, no. You don't need it. (laughs) There's a Kevin talking head. He really enjoys being in this band. There's so much inside of him that he once expressed, but he's just too lazy to write it down. This is the perfect outlet for that. (laughs) Meredith uh, gives her character a backstory for the sting. She tells Danny that, uh, Meredith Van Helsing, my character, is 17 years sober, and we're already saying BS. No way. <laughs> and uh, she was doing the whole drinking thing every night. She was promiscuous. She was a single mom. But now she's the president of Pennsylvania Solar Tech. She's married to an Asian man. She eats trout every night. Sounds like the dream to me. Uh, Danny says, or asks her, how do you do it? How did you do it? And she just says, I wish I knew. <laughs> so do we actually think Meredith wishes her life was like that? I, I don't think she actually wishes that. I think she enjoys uh, alcohol and promiscuity stuff too much. But maybe there's like a small part in the back of her head that's like, if only I, I don't know, had a better job, I guess. I don't know. I kind of took it the other way. Like, that's her dream life. And she just doesn't know how to get there, which is kind of a, mm-hmm. a sad take on it. But hey, <laughs> he's stuck. Yes. So Michael was not wrong uh, when he assumed that Danny was a male model. Uh, he, in fact, recognized him. Danny was a model <laughs> for Jansport backpacks. This was 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and he was in some print ad for a uh, Jansport backpack. And uh, Michael has a good, good memory for faces. Yeah, that it's so funny. And then he has a talking head at the very the very last deleted scene. He says, you know, anybody can buy and sell things, but to buy and sell people, that's the noblest thing of all. <laughs> he turns around his computer monitor and it shows a picture. He's found a picture of Danny modeling a Jansport backpack. And so one, his quote is just all kinds of wrong. Selling people, nope, not the noblest thing of all. Uh, but to to have found a picture of Danny on the internet modeling a Jansport backpack, that's just icing on the cake. And then one last deleted scene I wanted to mention, Danny has talking head. He says, well, why would I want to work here? I feel like Pam and I have some unfinished business that I want to take care of, and if Jim gets burned in the process, so be it. Just kidding. They offered me a stupid amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's fair. Sure. Yeah. I, I would probably take it too. Yeah. <laughs> So here's our discussion topic for this week. Katie, give it to us. Do you want your life to be better, Chad? To be worse or to stay the same? I'm going to have to go with to be worse, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, like it's too good right now, right? (laughs) Yeah, everything's just too perfect in my life. It's kind of scary. need to be knocked down a few pegs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go the kind of nuts route and say I want it to be better. Like, we're already on an uphill climb, but like. I'm just going to push that luck. <laughs> I'll push it too far and I'll, I don't know, I'll, something bad will happen, but not yet. We're just going to keep pushing. 
<laughs> okay. Serious discussion topic today. <laughs> yeah, very serious. We, we don't mess around here. No. <laughs> Going on to our next episode, it is titled Costume Contest. It's episode six of season seven. It aired on October 28th of 2010, so it's our Halloween episode. It was directed by Dean Holland and written by Justin Spitzer. A short little plot summary here. Pam is putting on a Halloween costume contest in the office. Tensions rise as Danny spends more time in the office, and Michael and Daryl fight over Michael's choice to ignore a good idea of Daryl's. So starting off, uh, Gabe opens, he's dressed as Lady Gaga, and we'll talk over everybody's costumes later. But Gabe tells everyone that drivers are now going to be able to make sales on the road to their delivery recipients as add-ons to what they're delivering. Michael approaches Daryl about this new update because apparently it's something that Daryl suggested to Michael and Michael ignored it or nixed it or shut it down somehow. Either way, Daryl says, I'm just glad they're trying it out. That's all he says about it. I'm glad they're trying it out. Michael was scared that Daryl would hit him over this. He, he had a ream of paper hid in his shirt uh, so that in case Daryl hit him, he would have some cushion. Michael's embarrassed and actually feels kind of responsible for this um, mess up, for this lack of recognition for Daryl. So much so that he calls Daryl out in front of everyone and gives him the credit and admits that Michael got in the way of Daryl's good idea, which was pretty big of Michael. He, he did genuinely feel really bad about this. But it turns out, though, that Daryl instead, he first took the idea to Michael. Michael didn't do anything about it. So he went then to Gabe. Gabe liked the idea and took it to corporate and gave Daryl full credit. So now Michael is instead upset with Daryl for going to Gabe behind Michael's back. He confronts Daryl about it and has the nerve to ask Daryl to apologize to him in front of the rest of the office. The, the truth is, the chain of command that Michael sees as so important wouldn't be an issue if he just did his job the way he's supposed to. Like, bring back the Michael from the previous episode who was doing his job pretty well. Again, aside from the silliness with the sting, everything else we see from Michael in that episode is pretty competent and doing what he's supposed to do. But here, he's not doing his job the way he's supposed to. He's not listening to good ideas. He should be encouraging and lifting up his employees. And that way, they'd want to come to him in the first place. Everybody's clearly not really on Gabe's side. Nobody really likes him so far. Uh, so it'd be a shoe in for people to just go to Michael with their ideas if he treated them with respect with respect and were was open to suggestions from his employees. But here he is. This is not the first time we've seen him shut down something Daryl has tried. And this time it bit him in the butt and he's trying to blame Daryl for going past him to make it happen. It was funny. You just said respect and open mind. And it reminded me of being a hero, honesty, empathy, respect, and open-mindedness. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched that episode the other day. So it made me laugh. That's excellent. <laughs> so Michael, in retaliation, dresses up as Daryl for Halloween, which is super offensive. He asks the Ouija board to describe Daryl using one word. The board, quote unquote, calls him an asshole. Or starts to, at least. Starts to, yes. Um, but of course, they're fighting over the board, so it doesn't finish. <laughs> the spirits don't get the word out. Michael is just completely, this has ruined his whole day. Um, he can't understand why, why Daryl would take another route to, uh, to get his idea across. To point something out real quick, 
uh, if you don't mind, uh, if this is something I found online, so I can't take credit for it. But if you look behind Michael's right ear on like yes. his neck, there are a couple of black streaks. It's like maybe Michael even considering considered putting on blackface to go Daryl all the way and then thought it was a good idea. So or thought it was a bad idea. So thank you, Michael, for at least not going the blackface route. As offensive as the costume itself was, it could have been a a much higher level of offensiveness uh so thankfully he didn't go that far <laughs> which makes me wonder like was that just really good costuming that they thought that through with like the two you know two or three finger streaks worth of black paint or or what because that was really that that hides and i had forgotten about that until i watched this episode and saw that mm-hmm. yeah sorry go ahead and continue what you were oh, saying that's good in a talk with gabe and michael Daryl expresses a grievance when Michael says, after all I've done for you. Daryl says, Michael has never done anything for him. Ed Truck hired me. Joe promoted me. Gabe listened to me. You've never done anything for me, Michael. They fight, but they kind of get it out of their system. They come up with a new convoluted system. So (laughs) Daryl brings things to Michael. Michael brings them to Gabe. No one goes to Joe. Unless Daryl and Michael agree to go to Joe, then they can go to Joe. So basically, it was the original system as it was supposed to be. Daryl goes to Michael, who goes to Gabe. And no one goes to Joe. But they might still go to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they disagree with Gabe. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they bond through, they bond over their dislike for Gabe and willingness to go over Gabe's head to talk to Joe. Yeah. And Michael does apologize for being a jerk. Like his words, he calls himself a jerk and he does say, I'm sorry for being a jerk. So a little too little too late, but at least they're on uh, agreeable terms by the end of the episode. And also at the end of the episode, the last thing we get from Daryl, he's thinking out loud to Andy. He says, you know, sometimes it seems like it was better down in the warehouse. Andy gives some advice. Uh, He says, Daryl, is it your goal to maybe one day be CEO of this company? That's what you need to be considering now. Like whatever you're doing with your life now, it needs to be in pursuit of some sort of end goal. So if your end goal isn't a higher position in the company, maybe it's time to go do something else. And so he asks him to go to the party that Danny is holding at a bar, uh, his bar, and Daryl declines. He says, I have work to do, and I do have big plans at this company. So as Daryl said earlier to Gabe and to Michael, he has ambition, and here he is actively pursuing that. Um, so I think that's awesome to see Daryl not let this be a setback for him and to actively pursue climbing the ladder. Moving on to the Halloween portion of the episode, um, Pam is in charge of this costume contest and the winner of the costume contest gets a coupon book. Now, everyone is really jazzed over this coupon book. Even Angela, who says that she doesn't want to give Pam a compliment, but Pam did a really good job. (laughs) This thing is supposed to be worth like $25,000 or something, which is ridiculous because it's a coupon book. You'd have to buy, 25 is not the right number. It's um, $15,000. You'd have to buy so much stuff to get actually $15,000 worth of benefit. But it's just one of those things that sounds really, really good on paper and everyone's overly excited for this. So the costumes are really good this year. However, Jim isn't really a costume guy. I feel you, Jim. I've never been a costume girl. Pam was begging him all day to wear his Popeye costume. He refused. Pam is dressed up as olive oil, and it does not make a ton of sense without her Popeye. Um, So that's the first little bit of of Halloween we get. 
And the other part of everything that's going on is there's still this drama or perceived drama between Danny, Jim, and Pam. It's like everybody's trying to make this a love triangle, and it's very clearly not a love triangle. Uh, Andy and Kevin specifically bring drama to this situation when they, they approach Danny, who's invited everybody to his bar, which is called Public School. Oscar laughs at that sarcastically. And they say to Danny, Jim and Pam basically begged us not to go to the Halloween party. No such thing was said. When they asked Jim if he cared, he says, I don't care. Do what you want to do. But still, there's this perceived tension, again, that does not exist. And so they all laugh about it. They as in Jim, Danny, and Pam. Uh, But then that turns into curiosity. Why did you not call Pam back for more dates? Danny makes up a couple of things. First, he says, you know, her numbers looked weird, so I couldn't get it right. Jim points out, well, you called her the second time for the second date, so obviously you had her number. He says then, okay, well, she spent the whole date talking about you because she was obviously in love with you. So Jim takes that to Pam, and Pam denies that. Uh, No, I did not talk about Jim. I remember talking about Jim. What's the real reason? And he says, fine. You really want to know. I didn't call you back because I thought you were a little bit of a dork. And Jim sort of takes offense to that at first. Pam just says, okay, whatever. I don't care. Moves on. And Jim has a talking head later to conclude this portion by saying, you know, I can't believe that Danny didn't call a dork like that back. And that's when he comes in carrying CC, wearing the Popeye costume, admitting that he's just as much of a dork as she is. And he loves that about her. And it just made her day that he dressed up because we've seen his costumes in the past. Three hole punch, Jim. Dave, like he's just not a costume guy. Mm-hmm. And we see Bookface too, even though that that cold open was cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other costumes include Michael as MacGruber, Dwight <laughs> as the Scranton Strangler, of course. Jim is Popeye, Pam is Olive Oil, Cece is Sweet Pea, pretty cute. Stanley was a samurai, Phyllis as Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, Andy as a True Blood character, Bill Compton. You want to read some more? Sure. Yeah, there's also Meredith as a True Blood uh, character, Suki Stackhouse. Uh, Kevin is Michael Moore. Oscar starts off as a 70s pimp and then changes later as a rational consumer because uh, he's in protest to this whole prize of the coupon book saying it's worthless unless you spend a whole bunch of money. Uh, and you could also say, according to Creed, he was Edward James Olmos, <laughs> which I'll mention again, probably in funny moments. Uh, Angel starts off as a penguin and then becomes a sexy nurse. So very, very atypical of Angela to delve into her sexiness in order to get the prize. She's, she's really that mm-hmm. thirsty to win. Creed is just as a mummy. Daryl is Dracula. Uh, Aaron is just a generic monster with a mask. Ryan is Justin Bieber. <laughs> Kelly starts off as Snooky from Jersey Shore. And then I, I didn't know this, but apparently the, the internet says she's Katy Perry. Uh, oh, okay. I thought she was like some sort of sexy Willy Wonka. Kind <laughs> I was of thinking thing. Willy Wonka, but, yeah. But she's Katy Perry. Uh, Toby is Red Skelton, the comedian. Gabe is Lady Gaga. I already mentioned that, which is really weird. Uh, Todd Packer is there. And he's dressed as a pregnant nun. Of course. And in the deleted scenes, we see Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, who is dressed as Dirty Harry. Yeah. So that's all the costumes. Yeah, big list. Funny moments? Yeah, let's go into the funny moments. Uh, How about you start off with the cold open? So Stanley, I love this cold open. 
Stanley drinks out of Jim's mug on accident, and he did not realize that it was not his coffee, but was instead orange juice. He didn't notice that. So Jim wants to investigate what Stanley will and will not notice. So first, Phyllis and Andy are helping Stanley solve a crossword puzzle, except Andy is shirtless, and Phyllis is not Phyllis. She's actually Kevin, dressed as Phyllis. Doesn't notice that. Then Jim puts a cardboard box over Stanley's computer. Goes unnoticed. Michael wears fake teeth. Everyone in the conference room is facing the wrong way, except Stanley. <laughs> he does, however, notice that the clock is slow. It's time to go home. Uh, so Pam, <laughs> in a mustache, tells Stanley that she loves him, and a miniature horse is there. None of that goes noticed, just the clock. <laughs> <laughs> what I love most about this deleted scene, or that the, about this cold open, is that everyone is involved. This yeah. isn't like a small faction of the office playing pranks on Stanley. Everyone's included, including Michael. So it's so much fun to have, especially Michael in on it, because this is something I, that I think he would be excluded from most of the time. But mm -hmm. everybody's in on the joke this time, and it's, it's really nice. After Michael approaches Daryl to say, sorry, man, I wish you had gotten credit for this. Daryl says, no big deal. Uh, I'm just glad they're trying it out. Michael has a talking head. He says, Daryl Philbin is the greatest guy in the world. And you know what I'd like? I would like to have all the racists brought together and take Daryl Philbin out to lunch just to see what they're missing. There are all kinds of reasons why that is a bad idea. <laughs> yep. Lots of reasons. Lots and lots. <laughs> Danny, as you mentioned, owns a bar and has invited everyone out to the bar for Halloween. Ryan asks for a plus five. They're all guys. Generally, that's not the ratio that people want at a place. Anyway. Um, and Creed asks if the crowd is, quote, their age. They have very different ages, so he cannot very answer different. that question. It's like Creed is pretending to be uh, 39 or 40 yeah. next November, uh, like he did back in, what is it? <laughs> launch party, not launch party. No, Might have been the episode uh, before launch party. Yeah. Dunder Mifflin Infinity. Yeah, I think so. Dwight and Michael are talking. Dwight says, he went behind your back. Talking about Daryl. Michael says, he didn't go behind my back. He went over my head. Dwight says, he went over your head to go behind your back. And Michael then asks, what is taking someone from behind? Not what you're talking about. That is a very different thing. Let's move on. <laughs> Michael is getting suspicious now of everyone who's talking to Gabe uh, for any reason. So he sees Gabe and Kevin talking. He says, what the hell are they talking about? Dwight says, hmm, probably about the extremes of the human physique. Oh, probably. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Michael proceeds to make Kevin cry. He demands Kevin explain, what are you talking to Gabe about? You need to follow the chain of command. You need to talk to me and then I go to Gabe. And Kevin gets really upset and he explains what he was talking about. He says, well, well, Gabe asked me if there were any really cool Lady Gaga moves that he could do for the catwalk. And so then I told... I told him that there was this one cool move where she powers down like a robot, but I, I'm so sorry that I didn't tell you first. <laughs> and Michael just says, uh, he, he's feeling apologetic that he ever said anything because obviously this wasn't malicious on Kevin's part. But he just says, uh, just, just don't let it happen again. Kevin says, you think I would let this happen again? No way, Jose. <laughs> And then he turns to Gabe and just says, F you, Gabe. Like, I love how emotionally invested Kevin gets in this conversation. Like, he feels like he's betrayed Michael somehow. It's so funny. Andy um, catwalks as, of course, Bill Compton from True Blood. 
Stanley says, how many freaking vampires am I supposed to care about these days? I mean, he's got a point. In 2010, there were an awful lot of vampires. So yeah. I don't blame the guy. Had the, the Twilight Saga ended at that point? I think there was still another year or two, another uh, movie or two probably. at that point. Yeah. A lot mm. of vampires. A lot of vampires. When, after the whole talking to Kevin thing, Michael talks to Daryl and he says, okay, this whole going over my head gate, that's not a thing, is making people act weird. The chain of command is crumbling. Do you know what just happened? I just made Kevin cry. And Gable looks like Lady Gaga. That's not Halloween. Halloween should be a day in which we honor monsters and not be mad at each other. (laughs) Sure, Michael, if that's what you want Halloween to be, that's what Halloween can be. I liked this one little line from Kelly, um, because it's sort of what we're all thinking. uh, When Michael's having his little meltdown and dressing as Daryl, she says, could you just for once let us all enjoy a party instead of making about all your issues? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, yeah, because every time they have a party, Michael has a meltdown. Real quick, because you mentioned Kelly, I just thought of the Ryan line from the last episode I wanted to mention but didn't. Mm. Uh, When Andy approaches everybody to get feedback on his little girl song, he says, you know, I could picture people ice skating to this. And Ryan's response is, I don't think people usually ice skate to such bad songs. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a great little Ryan moment. (laughs) Anyways, I I would have been sad if I had not mentioned that. Andy and Kevin are in a talking head and they're talking about how it's a bummer for Jim that Danny is there. But it's also a bummer for them because they feel like they shouldn't go to Danny's party at this bar to avoid hurting Jim's feelings. They say we don't get invited to a lot of Halloween parties. And Kevin says everyone's going to be there. Stanley, Phyllis, Angela, Daryl, Creed's a maybe. And Andy takes out his teeth. He says, Creed's going? Like, oh, I'm missing out if Creed's going. The party animal. On the subject of Andy still, something annoying that he does the whole episode is take his teeth in and out to talk. Like, if it's that much effort for you to be in your costume that you have to, like, constantly be removing things in and out of your mouth, just ditch it. Like, it's obnoxious. Dwight feels kind of torn in the middle between Michael and, uh, and Daryl. And he says in a talking head, I know how to sit on a fence. Hell, I can even sleep on a fence. The trick is to do it face down with a post in your mouth, which is a great visual. Um. Yeah, it it makes me, I I don't even have to wonder. I know that Dwight is telling the truth when he says he slept on a fence this way. I don't doubt it. (laughs) When the costume contest is officially starting and they're about to have their vote, Pam says to everybody, you can't vote for yourself. Kevin speaks up and says, Pam, can you vote for other people? (laughs) Process of elimination, Kevin. You cannot. (laughs) Uh, In the interest of time, maybe just one more from me. Everyone voted for Oscar for the costume contest. They thought surely he wouldn't win, so it's a safe vote if you cannot vote for yourself. Creed, of course, voted for a different reason, because it's the best Edward James Olmo costume he's ever seen. Unreal. (laughs) Like, freaky good. Freaky. (laughs) Um, But everyone else was like, yeah, like, he won't win, so I'll just put him down, uh, and everyone else will vote for, you know, vote for me. <laughs> he only looks like Edward James almost because he's Mexican. That's yeah. the only connection. He does not look like Edward James almost otherwise. At all. <laughs> a couple more for me. Aaron apparently has a superpower and is also very confused about what bobbing for apples is. Accurate. She's got her head in a vat of water, the tub of water, for a full minute. No movement. She's just sitting there with her head in the water. 
they pull her out panicked thinking she's drowned and she excitedly says i got two i ate two whole apples that's not what you're supposed to do when you bob for apples (laughs) but she's very good at it Uh, yeah apparently holding your breath while eating an apple for a full minute that is that is something special Last one, at the beginning of the episode, when Gabe is announcing about the, the drivers making additional sales on their deliveries, uh, Packer speaks up and he just says, has anyone started calling you Gabe Wad yet? And a pause, Gabe just says, not here. <laughs> <laughs> like, apparently this is a recurring nickname for him. And unfortunately, Packer just started it. There it that, is. Like snuck up on me. I, I I don't think I'd ever noticed that line before, and I noticed it this time. <laughs> great. Not here. Not here. <laughs> so some deleted scenes. Um, there's another Jim distracts Stanley scene. He's sporting a Jim is sporting a huge black eye. He needs uh, a document signed, so he goes over to Stanley to get it signed. The document reads in huge letters, "I eat poop." Uh, Stanley signs it anyway. Jim says, maybe Stanley's just super focused. Maybe he's checked out on life. Who am I to know the answers to play God? I'm just a guy with too much time on his hands. <laughs> In the episode, we get a line from Dwight. He says, we need to strangle this idea. And so the deleted scene is Michael and Dwight acting out an argument. And Dwight is trying to talk about how this is a bad idea, the whole drivers making sales thing. And uh, corporate is just trying to get rid of salesmen altogether. I'm just an honest man trying to make a buck. And Michael is, quote, the man. And he's in favor, he's fighting in favor of the idea a little better than he planned, even changing Dwight's mind mid fake argument. And he even changes Stanley's mind too, uh, because he points out they're getting 50% commission of sales they wouldn't have been making anyways. So why not let this happen? And they have a talking head uh, midway through that play whatever you want to call it, where Michael says, if you can use the theater to teach about the dangers of rent and the gay community, then you can use theater to teach this office that this idea has got to go. <laughs> I don't that's think that's quite the lesson about. of rent. <laughs> yeah, we both at the same point. Rent is not about rent. <laughs> <laughs> or the dangers of the gay community. Right. <laughs> yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. Aaron delivers a package to Daryl in his office. She sees that he's running a fan and runs up to the fan to rip off her mask her face mask and stand in front of it she's sweating and panting joe in the package has given daryl a gift from corporate uh one of those i don't even know what you would call it it's like a it's like a pin impression thing yeah. like you there's lots of pins you put your face on it or your hand and it leaves an imprint of that then dwight walks in and kicks aaron out of daryl's office dwight starts sucking up to daryl and admits in a talking head that he wants to play on both sides Daryl asks if Dwight needs something. Dwight says, not now, but one day, maybe. And I'd appreciate it if when that time comes, you'd remember now when I asked nothing of you. So you are asking for something. Yeah, just not at this moment. Right, but I am asking it in the future. <laughs> and right after, as, as Dwight is exiting, you see Aaron just crouched on the floor with the fan that Dwight also tossed out, just like desperately gasping for this air that is cooling her head after being imprisoned in this rubber mask they're playing past the pumpkin under your chin uh aaron takes it from meredith and andy's excited because he thinks he's next so he's gonna get to be like neck to neck with aaron that's what he wants but then gabe steps in 
and he takes it from Aaron. And so Andy then has to take it from Gabe and he hesitates for a moment, but he does do it and is victorious and everybody cheers. But there's that brief moment where uh, Andy thought he was going to be able to neck it with Aaron. Toby, Gabe and Ryan are doing the Ouija board and completely unprompted. Toby says, ah, being dead is going to be so relaxing. <laughs> oh, that um, one really caught me off guard. And like, Ryan's yeah. face was me. He, he gets all wide-eyed and he just sort of stares at Toby and then stares oh. at the camera like. <laughs> we in trouble here, Toby? <laughs> oh, that was so good. Uh, we got an extended catwalk scene, too. We see Pam. Daryl, Toby, Meredith, Dwight, Andy, and Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, uh, walk the catwalk. And it's the only time we see Bob, as I mentioned earlier, unless he maybe appeared in the background somewhere and I just missed it uh, in the actual episode. But that's the like, full, only full shot we get of him is in the deleted scenes. We get a talking head with Toby about the coupon book. He said his neighbors had one of these books and they were always eating out every single day or getting massages. The driveway was as smooth as an aircraft carrier. That's a weird comparison and sounds yeah. kind, of, kind of dangerous. Um, <laughs> Kelly says in a talking head that her costume cost $600. And if she had the coupon book, it would have cost 20% less than that, which still is way too much. And I have thoughts. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it still would have been almost $500. Yeah. <laughs> but she says, that's why I need the coupon book. Right. <laughs> Everyone gathers around Oscar, very last deleted scene, and he's reading out some of the coupons because he won the coupon book. And some of them include a 100 megabyte, that is very small, MP3 player that does not play iTunes, so that's not all that great. A discount at a boba tea place. Meredith says, boba tea is weird. Ryan says, it's not weird, it's different. And it's gross. <laughs> and also 5% off your next Dunder Mifflin order. You just have to ask for Stan the Man. And there's a picture of Stanley in the coupon book uh, with a big grin on his face. And then another one is a free estimate on carpet cleaning. I think most places would do that anyways. But yeah, yeah this is not, a, not shaping up to be a great reward. Well, our discussion topic for costume contest. Chad, what you got? Okay, there are lots of possible answers for this one. Um, so I'm sure we'll cover at least a few, if not all of them. Why did Michael say no to Daryl's idea in the first place? I think because Michael relinquishing control of sales out from under his nose to people on the road who may not be trained to do it. Um, like Jim says in the episode, Madge from the warehouse just made her first sale, mm -hmm. Madge. He was so surprised by that. I think Michael doesn't like the idea of people who he doesn't really consider his people making sales. Yeah, I agree. I, I think a few of the answers I had in my head, I have the advantage of having thought of this and you were just sprung with the question, <laughs> but I agree with what you said. Sales belong to salesmen, which is basically what you just said. Some sort of lack of respect for Daryl, which you could also attribute to racism. Uh, not the first time we could accuse Michael of that towards Daryl. A perceived view of lesser for the warehouse employees or the delivery people, uh, which is sort of in line with the first one, but also just a more extreme version. Like sales belong to salesmen, and also warehouse people are lesser than salesmen. Like he's thinking both at the same time. Lots of reasons for Michael to 
have shut this down in his mind. None of them are reasonable because it does end up being a really good idea. Because I mean, like you just said, Madge made a sale. And even though she's just a warehouse person, it's pretty cool that she made a sale. Jim got some extra commission off of it. Madge got some extra commission off of it. That's awesome. And so it was very clearly a good idea. It's not the first good idea Daryl has had either. A good idea got him promoted. Uh, so for Michael to nix this or to just not do anything about it is really kind of unforgivable no matter what his reason was because Daryl has proven himself with good ideas in the past and also very recently in the past. Well, that is the end of our official 71st episode of An American Workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplace pod or at workplace pod on Twitter. Please continue going over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us. It helps us out in a big way. You can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And you can find my other podcast, Cinescope, wherever you can find other podcasts and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. If you want a shout out and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level that you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 71 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 72 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season seven, Christening and Viewing Party. Bye. Bye. So yeah, I, I mean, Michael, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. We know, I, I, mm, <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to conclude this. <laughs> okay. Uh,